Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast. This is David with my little brother, Jason. We'll be 45 here in a couple of months. <laughs> He's been in my shadow all those years. Today, we're talking to Keanu Trujillo. He's an Enneagram coach. This guy blows our mind with the knowledge that he has because one of the key quality characteristics of the greatest leaders, self-awareness. So Jason and I definitely need help on this. This podcast is awesome. Keanu, you know, when I hear the word Keanu, I think of Keanu Reeves. What was it, Point Break? Is that what it was, Jason? Dude, he was in Point Break. He was in all the the Matrix. Yeah, he but was you in everything, man. You don't Come look. On. You don't look like him, man. You you I look don't. like a, a professional wrestler. <laughs> I appreciate that. I was actually named after Keanu Reeves, so that gives away my age. Oh, my mother and grandmother had a huge crush on Keanu Reeves in the nineties. <laughs> that so. is funny. Oh, I love it. Okay, so hey, t- talk to us about the Enneagram as if we know nothing about it. Absolutely. And I already know I'm an eight wing three. Yeah. But and that doesn't mean anything to someone that hasn't even talked about the Enneagram, and, doesn't know anything. And specifically, how does it help us as business owners? How does it help us in our business and our companies? Absolutely. So you're probably an eight-wing seven or an eight-wing nine. Ooh, talking because about David? your wing, yes, your wing is the number that neighbors your dominant number. Ooh, okay. I like it. So okay. um, with that, the Enneagram is nine different points. It's a personality typology. But what sets it apart is that it doesn't just show a snapshot of who you are. And this is what started to gather um, interest from myself was that it shows you who you are in unhealth or when you're stressed, but oh. also who you are in health and what you look like and what your personality looks like. Okay. So that sets it apart because it's very fluid. So I took personality assessments in the past that they I would read them and they were surprisingly accurate. But when I took the Enneagram, it started telling me, hey, this is what you look like when you're stressed. This is how you act when you're around your family. This is how you act in certain situations. And that's when I started getting really interested in it. And then coaching people through those things, understanding how to navigate their paths, if you will. Wow. So a number, like my type and David's type, we're type eights. So a type eight takes on characteristics of a healthy type two when they're healthy. They don't become a type two. They take on characteristics of a type two. Wow. So a type eight, the aggressive, the hard charger, very assertive, right? Yeah. Uh, Type of person becomes much more helpful and supportive. They become like a snowplow, making a way for others. However, when they're unhealthy, they take on characteristics of an unhealthy type five, which means they become more self-centered, withdrawn, uh, more weary of others. They fear betrayal, so they become more withdrawn. And each type has numbers. We were talking about Ty earlier, our great producer, uh, being a type three. In health, he takes on healthy characteristics of a type six, becoming more loyal to achieving because the three is the achiever. And in unhealth, he takes on characteristics of the type nine, the unhealthy characteristics of the type nine, becoming more of a sloth or just shutting down to the uh, world. So that's a, a basic uh, overview okay, of it. So r- real quick, without any notes in front of you or anything, can you give us the, the nine types? Can you give us the nine yeah. types and, and, and whatever, and then explain the wing thing? In, in like a 60-second pop for me. So if you give us the nine types, that'll help a lot. Absolutely. So starting with the number one, the number one is the perfectionist. Okay. And if that sounds negative, we That's also Jason. call them Jason's the perfectionist or the <laughs> reformer or the improver. So the type one, their core desire is to be right, to be uh, um, of good integrity, to be virtuous. And in being right, they hold themselves to a high standard of being right and inadvertently hold others to that standard as well. Um. So the type one being the perfectionist, they have a, a, a very loud inner critic because 
because they are so hard on themselves mm. that then they also um, hold others to that standard. So if I'm doing it right, then why aren't you doing it right? Okay, and you just you're describing my 16 year old daughter. <laughs> she's a type one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's awesome. This is so good. Okay, so, keep going. So that's the type one. Uh, the type two is the helper or the supportive advisor. The type two is the person that they know your birthday. They know your favorite food. They will give the shirt off their back. Mm. They are the true, the person that really uh, comes through in clutch when you're sick. They show up with some soup on your door uh. and they give help to others because they believe that's the gift that they give to mm. the world is their help when they're very healthy, they give without expectation of return. I'm giving to you because I care when they're very unhealthy, they can become very prideful and they expect, well, if I gave to you, then why aren't you giving Giving to to me? me. Uh, For example, if you were a two, David, you have me on your podcast and then I don't have you on my podcast, then you're going to think, well, Hey man, what, you know, what's going on here? Well, there's Uh, a lot of twos out there with social media too. Like, (laughs) Hey, I followed you. You're supposed to follow me. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, as I mentioned with the type two, each type has a core weakness or a core, core sin struggle for the type two. It is pride for the type one. It is resentment or anger. Uh, So touching back on that. The type three is the achiever or the performer. Whatever it takes to get the job done, they will become whatever it takes. They will do whatever it takes. They are the chameleon of the types. They can take on certain characteristics. Sometimes it's hard to find the type of the three because, well, they can be an eight if the situation calls for it, or they can take on characteristics of an eight if it calls for it. Um, When the type three is very healthy, then they take on their truest self of what they believe Uh, success to be, not what others are trying to uh, make them to believe, right? They're not shifting with the sand. When they're unhealthy, uh, they can become very passive and they'll just become what you need them to be. And the core sin struggle of the type three is deceit or self-deceit. So they'll Uh. deceive others and deceive themselves. Um, into who they believe they are. This is so good. I love this. Okay, keep going. Now now we got type four coming. Awesome. So the type four, yes, sir, is the romantic or the individualist. The type four is more artsy, more creative. Given the data on these assessments that have been put out in the world, type four is the most rare type, which is interesting because the type four's core longing is to be unique, to be set apart. Seems like that's everybody now. (laughs) Well, that's true. Maybe we just see a lot of type fours in, you know, the media nowadays. That's right. Um, But they want to be unique. However, they believe they're inherently flawed. So their core struggle or their core weakness is envy. So they believe that if they are flawed, then the people next to them must have what they need. So if I was a four and I'm really jealous about Jason's mic technique and he's awesome on, you know, being on a podcast, (laughs) then I'm like, man, well, he has what I need. I'm going to start becoming envious of you because I want that. But when they are healthy, they can become very creative in understanding that they are already set apart. They don't need to seek to be set apart. They are unique. They are creative. They are artsy. Wow. Uh, The type five is the investigative thinker, the investigator. So this person is your friend that knows a little bit about everything. They'll tell you about the NBA bubble. They'll tell you about MLB's COVID (laughs) cases. Totally. They'll tell you about uh, the stock market, a little bit of everything, because the type five believes to exist in the world, they must have enough knowledge to exist in the world. Mm. Um, They're a very reserved type, naturally more withdrawn. Uh, They believe that the whole world is a little bit too invasive, so they don't like to be too long at the party. They'll show up right on time and they'll stay there for 30 minutes and then they'll go home because they believe that they have a very low uh, battery or low energy Mm. and they don't like people drawing on their energy because their fear is they can't exist in the world. Mm. Uh, So that's why they bring in knowledge, right? Their knowledge is their energy to exist. The type six is the loyalist or the loyal guardian. So the type six is our worst case scenario thinker. 
And the type six, um, they're planning for every possible scenario because their desire is to have support, security, and guidance. Okay. And they believe in planning for every scenario. They'll have the support, the security, and the guidance that they need to exist in the world. Very, very anxious uh, Enneagram type. Their core struggle is anxiety. Their mm-hmm. fear is fear itself. So, uh, you know, Mm. books about worst case scenarios, they love that because they love to plan for everything. However, when they have enough guidance, when they have support, when they feel they have security, then they become a much more healthy type and not thinking about the worst case scenarios because they know there's nothing they can do about what they can't plan for. That's right. Now, the type seven is the enthusiast. I'm a type eight with a seven wing. So, David, I'm excited to see if you're an eight with a seven wing or an eight with a nine wing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The type seven is the enthusiast or the entertainer. This is the always sunny, always optimistic person. You could break your leg and they will tell you, well, at least you didn't break both of them. Amen. (laughs) That's right. Hey, well, at least, you know, you still have legs, right? They're that person. And they're always uh, very excited about the next thing or the next adventure. They're always planning another adventure. Everything. Life is an adventure because they want to get the most out of life. So always very uh, optimistic and happy. But underneath that, what's driving that desire to be very optimistic and happy is that they don't want to be trapped in emotional pain or limited or bored. Mm. So the reason they're so optimistic and so happy is, well, I don't want to be trapped in your pain. So if David, you come to me and I was a type seven and you were having some you know, issues or being or sad about something, I would say, man, you know, it's all right because I don't want to be in your emotional pain. Totally. So not a naturally empathetic type. You're How, describing, you're describing me. And I, I even listening to you, I can see my flaw as a dad because my kids will bring wow. me some pain. And I'm just like, I, I can even feel myself like, hey, no, man, come on. Are you kidding me? At least you got eyes. You could even <laughs> walk over here. You just walked over here. Be thankful. But I do the same thing, that. but I never knew that that could be me naturally, subconsciously avoiding getting into their pain with them. I never knew that. Well, what's interesting is if you are a type one or the reformer, uh, Jason, they take on healthy characteristics of the type seven in health. Okay. So some of that may come from, hey, you're really healthy. You're in that type seven, right? Yeah. And then they come to you with something depressing and you're like, yeah, mm. I don't really want to deal with it right now. You both <laughs> said mm, at the same time. <laughs> um, so moving on to the type. What, what's, what's the sin struggle for type seven? The type, sin struggle for the type seven is gluttony. So, and it's gluttony in life, not necessarily in a food sense, but they're filling themselves with experiences because they have this large hole that they believe they can fill it with experiences and then they'll be satisfied. So that's their course in struggle. Um, Wow. I missed the course in struggle for the type five. It's avarice or greed. So they will become very self-centered again because of the knowledge they need to exist in the world. Course in struggle for the type six is anxiety. Okay. So so remind me what, which one was type five? The type five was the investigator, the investigative thing. Okay. And then type six. Type six was the loyalist or the loyal guardian. Got it. And their sin struggle. And so the five was avarice or greed. Got it. And then the six was anxiety or fear. Got it. And uh, so moving on to the type eight, my favorite type, because this is my type. Uh, Very aggressive, very uh, assertive, very forward. This is what started to uh, make me more attracted to the Enneagram. My background's in military and law enforcement. So when I was naturally aggressive or assertive, I didn't realize that was part of my personality. I would tell my wife because she's a nine, we'll learn about her in a moment. Hey, this is just the way I am. If I'm sounding angry, if I'm coming across as very aggressive, this is just how I am. Mm. And uh, I hid behind that until I realized the type eight actually emanates anger when they don't even know it. So when they're excited, when they're optimistic, when they're fired up, (laughs) yeah, David's feeling that one. Yes, I can Uh, feel it. People will say, hey, you're, you're angry. What's going on with you? But that's not it. They're just happy. They're very excited. So think of a snowplow, as I said earlier, when they're healthy, they're 
clearing a path for people. When they're unhealthy, their hard-charging ways of life can actually begin to nick cars on the side of the road and harm people when they're just trying to clear a path. Mm. Uh, So their core sin struggle is lust or excess. Mm. And not lust in a sexual sense, but lust in wanting more. Just want more. Wanting more. They're they're always wanting more. I mean, it's never quite enough. For a type 8, a statement that resonates is too much is almost enough. (laughs) So I looked at (laughs) That's me with ice cream. That's John D. Rockefeller. Oh, exactly. Too much is almost enough. And you see a lot of these uh, certain certain types start to shine in, in leadership roles, but all of them at their best can be great leaders. So that's the type eight. We believe Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the way that he acted, the way that he conducted himself, a type eight, okay. right? He was hard charging, but in service to others. Mm. Now the type nine is the peacemaker. As I said, my wife r- fears conflict, does anything to move away from conflict. Yep. So when they feel conflict, they will shut down because their desire is to bring connection into the world. And conflict, they believe, disrupts that. Mm. So the type nine, they have a lot to offer because they can naturally empathize with all types. And if we were looking at the Enneagram, they sit at the very top. And that's intentional because they can empathize with all nine types. Mm. So if I were a nine and the two of you were arguing you would both think I was on your side with the way that I was talking. And at the end of it, you would both say, well, Keanu was on my side and, and you would both feel that way. However, they're a naturally empathetic type and they want to bring connection. When they're healthy, they know that they bring that strength to the table. When they're unhealthy, they'll withdraw from the table altogether and say, well, I don't want to cause conflict, so I don't want to be a part of it. Holy cow. Okay, man. so right now I just, okay, I can see this. Me as a husband, me as a father and me as an entrepreneur, I can see how this is so vital for me. So to speak specifically to the entrepreneurial type, does the Enneagram specifically give me guidance in terms of what kind of team I need to build around me or what kind of person I need that would complement me the best? Because as you're describing these things, and I can think of all the employees we've had throughout the years and all of the key leaders um, I've really made some pretty bad decisions, and I also see where, oh, wow, that actually was a pretty good decision. I didn't even know it, but uh, like, okay, I'm an eight. I'm a hard charger, okay? what? Wh- who compliments me the best in terms of a professional experience in the marketplace? Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I'm coaching uh, clients or coaching business owners, this is one of the conversations we always have, and inadvertently, you will find some people that compliment you well, but when you are more intentional about it, then you'll know, hey, I, I'm looking for this type of person. So for a type eight, a good complimenting type is a type one or a type five. Reason being is the type eight will just jump in and do something. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Hey, we'll, we'll walk on water and build a bridge along the way. Ready, fire, aim. There you go. That's me. I've it, said that for years. Exactly. And two of my best friends are type ones and type fives. I mean, literally. Uh, my best friend, also my financial advisor, he's a type one. So when I am thinking through an idea, I will send it to him because the type one will naturally spot imperfections or they'll mm. naturally spot, hey, this is this is kind of off. We can work on this. Also, the type five, because they are so knowledgeable and they have that Rolodex of infinite amount of useless knowledge sometimes, uh, I can send things over to them and they can help me walk through it. So that's a good complimenting type for the type eight. Now, if you were a type eight, and you say you hired me to be your right-hand man as another type eight, we might bump heads, but we're going to love it because to a type eight conflict is connection. Is it, is, it, is it wisdom to hire someone or to bring someone on in terms of being a contractor that is very similar to you? Or is it wisdom to get something that more complements you? Well, what's, what's the best? It depends on the situation and it depends on the pro- the project. So okay. if you are wanting someone to really walk in your place to help to lead in the way that you did, then to bring someone on that... Uh, 
understands your mentality through the Enneagram, right? They have the same personality type as wise because you won't be butting heads on the way that they see it and the way that you see it. And you're both right because you're seeing it through your personality. Mm. However, you're going to win because you're the boss. Okay. Uh, or, but if you're wanting someone to compliment you, then that would be a different conversation around bringing someone along to help maybe bring a little bit more structure. So for me right now, I'm building my business and I'm here out here just hard charging. I'm not really, you know, looking for uh, 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 some more eights to bring alongside me because it's just me right now. I'm a solopreneur, yeah. but to bring other people that will bring more structure, even though I so want to just bring more eights around me because we'll yeah. just go and we'll, you know, we'll take on the world. But I know that the wisdom is in bringing people that complement my strengths for what I'm doing now. That is so good. And and so you, you mentioned Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, do you have some famous examples of each of those that you can think off the top of your head or a couple of them uh, to where we can see, you know, like, so if somebody out there says, man, I think I'm a two, is there somebody out there that, that you know that would be a two off the top of your head? That's a really good question. Off the top of my head, I cannot run all nine types. If I spend <laughs> enough time thinking sissy. about it, I would do it. Um, <laughs> man, that's tough. But, but MLK is an eight. That's interesting. I can... Definitely see. Now in business, in terms of, um, you know, how, how we're going to hire the people that we're going to have around us. Okay. If we want to just take the Enneagram, can you go online and just take any Enneagram or are there, what specifically are you doing? Tell us about your business and what are the best things that we can do to equip entrepreneurs on this podcast? So the assessment that I use is through your Enneagram That's where I also got my certification from. Uh, Beth and Jeff McCord, they own that company. But the Enneagram also speaks a lot to faith. So that's why I love that, because to better know yourself is to better know God. Mm. He designed you in a very specific way. So when you get to know yourself, you get to see the nature of God. So Beth and Jeff McCord, their business is based around the Christ-centered Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So your EnneagramCoach.com, there's a free assessment there. And you can go online and take that assessment and it will give you scores. Now, the assessments are only about 70% accurate because we don't really know ourselves as well as we think we do. Mm -hmm. So what I do with all of my clients is I do a typing interview. So if there's a business owner, an entrepreneur out there that wants to help find their type, take the assessment and you can forward that assessment to me at info at truestrategy.info and we can schedule a typing interview. And I do those typing interviews complimentary to help people find their type and understand themselves. So what takes uh, place in that type of an interview? What, what, how are you going to help people understand and explain themselves? So I break down their results. Their results say a lot about them because they'll have a dominant type all of us have a dominant type and this is inherent. This is how God made us. It doesn't change over time. So we want to find that dominant type. I'll speak to all of the core motivations of each type and it will resonate one way or another, the same way that it's been resonating. I've been shaking my head the whole time. Like, Oh yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. And so we'll find those core motivations and we'll identify and I'll really walk through their results. So for example, I had a friend that tested as a type one. However, his scores on top five types, they were all scored at an 80%. So he said, I scored 80% on all five of these, but it says I'm a type one. Well, we started digging into it to come to find out he's a type nine because he was able to empathize and connect with all of those. But number nine was fifth on his, on his list of his results. So you really got to speak to the core motivations. So what I do in those typing interviews is I get to know them, right? I get to know a little bit about the personality and they'll think we're just having a natural conversation. What I'm doing is I'm asking intentional questions just to get to know them a little bit. And then we jump in their results and then I help them find their type. So you, you mentioned how this, this can really help us in our faith. Um, 
I have seen, and I would love to get your feedback on this because I've always kind of liked the Enneagram. I love what it, how it's helped. And, and, uh, I've actually taken a couple of them, but, um, and I totally want to do one with you because I want you to just tell me how bad I am. <laughs> but I have, I have seen, there are some things out there that where uh, I've seen some, some negative feedback on it. Like some uh, believers and leaders out there have said, no, don't take the Enneagram. It's bad. And all this kind of stuff, kind of like the, the yoga argument. What's your response to that? Like what should our listeners uh, hear about that? Yeah. When I'm talking about the Enneagram, I think people put a lot of weight on personality assessments. And when I'm coaching people, I remind them, my job is not to have you better know the Enneagram, but to better know yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a quote and we'll have to look it up, but it says all models are, are useless, but some are helpful. So this, this model, this tool, it's, you know, it's, it's helpful. So when I'm talking to them and understanding that I really speak to, there's so many different ideologies or theologies when it comes to faith and everyone is right in their own eyes. Yeah. So when I talk about it, I don't get too much into the weeds of certain things like that, but rather this will help you to understand yourself, which understands God because he created us so unique. And it helps us thrive in our relationships. I right. mean, even just listening to what you're talking about, it shows me, hey, your daughters are different than you. Yeah. And this is how you can relate with, their, with your daughter. Even you talking about the perfectionist and that they hold themselves to a standard of perfection, but they also expect others to hold to that same standard. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm listening to an argument between my two (laughs) daughters because I've got a one and I've got a five. You know, so I'm just even hearing you talk about this is really helping me understand my kids. Well, we all have the tendency of seeing the world through our lens. So we want to see the world in the way that we perceive it and we're right. And we all have a different lens that we're seeing it through. And you may be seeing it through yellow and myself in red and you in blue. And we're all right because that's the way we're seeing it. So with business owners, just in the same way as a parent, understanding the way that your employees or your leaders or your children see the world helps you to connect with them and understanding they're not wrong because they don't see it like me, but rather we can empathize and serve one another, and then we can get the most out of our relationships, whether it be business or personal. And that is one of the best things for leaders to do. And so knowing this, so knowing your Enneagram basically tells you what you're subconsciously motivated by. Am Am I hearing that right? Yes. Uh, So it speaks to the core motivations. A little example, I was coaching a client. He's a type one and he's in financial services. So he didn't want to make phone calls. And on the surface, well, I just don't like making phone calls, you know, and of course you have to in the business, but he's in a pretty good spot. So he doesn't really have to, but we got way deep down into it and come to find that he's actually beating himself up because he's the type one, Mm -hmm. right? His core motivation is to be right, but he knows that he's wrong, but he doesn't want to do the thing to be right, which is make phone calls. Uh. So we're really always digging underneath the surface. And before I found the Enneagram, my wife would always tell me, not everything has a deeper rooted meaning. And I always believed, yes, it does. I mean, you could say you don't like McDonald's and, or whatever, you know, you love Chick-fil-A. There's still a, which my wife loves Chick-fil-A. There's still a deeper rooted meaning as to why you do. And so when I found the Enneagram, that's when she just, you know, she gave up and she said, you know what? Okay. Now you have the tool to prove that there's (laughs) always a deeper motivation. Right. Um, so for example, for myself as a type eight, my core longing is you will not be betrayed. That's what I want to hear. And that's the only, that's something that only Christ can satisfy. You will not be betrayed. Oh, that's So we can say a blanket statement what Jesus did on the cross, it covers all of us, but how does it personally impact our life? So for the type one, their core longing is you are good. For the type three, their core longing is you are loved for simply being you. Can you so take us through, so forth. through each one of them real quick? So, so type one is you're, 
you are, you will be loved. You are, you are good. You are good. So their core longing, this is what they want most in life. And we're constantly seeking for it. So this speaks to the motivations. We're constantly wanting this thing. And the core longing for the type one is you are good. And type one is perfectionist and the longing is you are good. Yes. Okay. And uh, the type two is you are appreciated and valued. The okay. type three, the achiever, their core longing is you are loved for simply being you. Uh-huh. Remember, the type three wants to take on whatever success That's means, right. but to simply be themselves. They want, uh, they want to know that the type four's core longing is you are seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique. So you don't mm. need to be searching for other traits from others. You are sim- you already are unique. That's cool. The type five's core longing is your needs aren't a problem. Remember, that's the type that wants to know all the information, yeah, right? To get their, yes, to get their needs met. Your needs aren't a problem. You will have enough. The type six, their so, core- a guardian, loyal yes, guardian. The loyal guardian or the loyalist, their core longing is you are safe and secure. Okay. Again, worst case scenario thinker is the type six. Yep. The type seven, you will be taken care of. Their core, again, the core weakness is gluttony and they want the most out of life. Hey, you will be taken care of. You don't have to go on to the next thing and the next thing to fill yourself. The type eight, you will not be betrayed. That's the protective challenger. Yes. Okay. And the type nine, uh, the peacemaker, the peaceful mediator, your presence matters. Mm. So in all of these core longings, this is the thing that only Christ can satisfy. And the problem is we all try to find this core longing yeah. in people. In someone else. Exactly. And they're always going to let you down. Always. Dude, that is so awesome. Like literally, I, I remember reading a study by the Harvard Business Review that said of, of the top three or four uh, qualities and characteristics of high-achieving individuals, especially millionaires, CEOs, entrepreneurs, um, the number one quality was self-awareness. And this kind of test, this Enneagram, can really help you with self-awareness and ultimately get you to a point of God-awareness, that when when you're aware of your motivations and the things that you need and your deepest longing and desire going right into what you said, only Christ can fill those. Hey, but here's a cool outline. Here's nine different types and nine motivations that's going to help you better understand yourself. It will help you in life and in business. Absolutely. You know, and self-awareness is so important. And again, it came from a felt need that I took on this profession because I wasn't very self-aware. Again, I was the Mm. type eight. I was just plowing through everything. And if people (laughs) didn't like it, that was their problem, right? And so uh, practicing self-awareness, there's three things that help to improve self-awareness. And one is knowing, you know, what you're doing. What are you doing? And and why is that? And the two is how do you feel about it? And then the third part, that is the hardest part about gaining self-awareness is what don't you know about yourself? Ooh. And so when Ooh. I'm getting into the Enneagram and I'm helping to show people what they don't know about themselves or those around them, that's when we really start to bring some growth of, we don't have to hide behind the, this is just the way I am anymore. We can actually grow. We can do something about it. Wow. I'm going to go take that test. Okay. Exactly. What's the website again? And then what's the uh, email address to get the, uh, so that you can Tell me all about my test. Absolutely. So your Enneagram and there's a free assessment there and they will email your results and then you can forward them to me at info at true and we can break down your results, schedule a zoom call and meet up. What I love, what I love is that you came to Charlotte to work at a big, massive church and God obviously was doing something in your life and you realized the, the best way that you can serve the kingdom is to have your own business, helping people through the tool of the Enneagram. And, and dude, I'm excited. Man, I'm glad we met you, Keanu. Thank you, guys. I'm glad to meet you guys like today. Bill it was Ted's awesome. Excellent adventure. Like Keanu Reeves, but bald. That's what I tell people. <laughs> I love but, it. but better looking. There and you go. definitely self-aware. Thank you.
man, those three points on self-awareness. Yeah. That, that's so good. Man, when he got to that last one where he talked about what do you not know about yourself, instantly I thought, I need to take this test again. I need to meet with Keanu. We, we just hold yeah. it. Well, we one of the this. best things, I think one of the best takeaways for me is as we build and continue to grow other businesses, I know I'm an eight, but one, a one and a five are really going to complement some of the things that we do. And so as I'm interviewing, as I'm looking at um, uh, different um, resumes and other things and, and I can basically shoot them over to take this Enneagram test. I can get them assessed, and then I can figure out if it's a one or a five that's going to work out because I know that's pretty much what I'm looking for. So that is incredibly helpful, and, and I know entrepreneurs across the country, that's going to help them a ton as well. We needed this, and uh, I'm sure you as a listener needed it as well, and I think, you know, actually this is Jason. David needed it a little more than I did. Hey, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good <laughs> husband. 